Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Grief is, is something that is, uh, when you experience those heavy things, it's constant. And for me, I needed to learn how to deal with grieving things in a healthy way. And of course, you know, my faith, you know, I'm in the church, I'm in my Bible. I had, but also what's really, really been helpful is therapy. Yeah. Uh, that has been a game changer for me, uh, having a trauma therapist yeah. because those events are traumatic and yeah. trauma tends to live in our bodies. And so we need to learn how to identify you know, uh, those triggers and different things. And so having a really good therapist and also walking through, uh, just having good community, you know, Mm -hmm. having sisterhood, having people that I can be naked with and just confess those things to that I'm struggling with that will constantly encourage and uplift, I think is super important. This is not Infertility is not a journey that you can really do on an island. You need some community yeah. with you. It's the girl CEO show. Run it up. Always on the grind. You already know what's up. Everything from dating and the life in the business. Covering it all like a boss. Come and get this. It's the girl CEO show. Yeah. Hey, best friends. Welcome to the girl CEO show, the playground for female entrepreneurs. We are filming this segment during National Infertility Awareness Week, and it is dear to my heart because I have my best friend here with me who has gone through it all when it comes to infertility. But today we are sitting here and God is good. Yes, yes, he is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let me let you let everyone know who you are. and Tell them a little bit about yourself. Well, I am Jennifer Lucy Tyler. I am a Bible teacher that runs a ministry called Soul Circles, which teaches women how to study the Bible inductively. I am also the founder of Mission Consultant Hub, where we serve other servant leaders in a lot of different ways. And I'm also a national presenter for a major software company that uh, promotes Bible software. Yes, you are doing it all right now. A lot. <laughs> and I'm making good. a baby. Yes, you you looking good though. <laughs> Thank you. Looking this, beautiful. This is a dream. You know, every day I wake up and I'm like, so God, this is what we doing, huh? Yes. <laughs> he is faithful yes. all the time. Yes. So let's talk about this because I remember um, you saying, hey, you know, I want to have a baby. I'm excited. This is something that I'm looking forward to. Um, Tell me the excitement that you experienced during that time. I mean, it's a lot of joy happening now. I mean, because we have reached uh, it will be 24 weeks on Sunday, which is a great it's an important milestone. It's the milestone of viability. And, uh, you know, we have just had such a long journey getting to this place. We have been trying for 11 years uh, and it hasn't been a smooth process. It's been a hard process with a lot of tears and a lot of learning. And so there's so many things I've learned from this process that now I'm trying to tell younger women all about it so that they can be prepared if they want to have children. Yeah, let's talk about that because infertility is just one of those things 
where it's not really talked about a lot, especially in the black community. Yeah. Um, and now there are just so many women fighting to make those resources more available. I see you yourself doing even more education um, when it comes to infertility and really educating more women on things to do. Um, let's talk about when you started and the journey that you've yeah. gone through over time. Well, first, I want to share that one in six women will experience some bout of infertility in their lifetime. And those numbers are staggering. One in six. When we think of that, more women are experiencing infertility than you even know or realize. It's like a secret thing that so many women are experiencing and not speaking about. Yeah. And when I got married in 2011, I had no idea that I would be experiencing any kind of infertility. You know, you get married and you think, okay, the next thing is to have children, right? Yeah. I got married a week before my 30th birthday. And so uh, once we crossed the threshold into the 30s, it was like, okay, let's start trying. And I got pregnant and we were so excited. And then we went in to uh, hear the heartbeat and we learned that there was no heartbeat. And I experienced the first miscarriage. Yeah. And from that point on, what I did was what a lot of women do. It's like, OK, let me hurry up and try to get pregnant again, because, you know, a lot of women do have a higher chance of getting pregnant right after a miscarriage. But that's not always the case if you're experiencing some sort of issues that you may not know about. And so we downloaded all the apps, all the ovulation tracking apps, period tracking apps. And then it gets to a point where you're looking at the app so much sex ain't even fun because you're just like so focused on, OK, am I ovulating? All right, let's let's make it happen. And. I remember getting pregnancy test after pregnancy tests and just seeing negative results and being disappointed every time. And the years started to pass by and many years started to pass by and you wake up and you're like, what's happening? Yeah. You yeah. know, I would never forget getting a call from you and you were in tears. You were crying. Um, you were so hurt. And I asked you what happened. And I will never forget this specific time. You had went to the doctor and you were going for a, son a sonogram. And it was that day that they told you that there was no heartbeat. Yeah. One of the things that stood out to me about that story and that conversation that I had with you was the coldness. Yeah. That you felt from the doctor. I mean, no bedside manner for that first doctor uh, that I experienced. And it was such a cold moment. I remember uh, it was a, a white male doctor. And I'm not saying that all white male <laughs> doctors are like this, but it was a white male doctor. He was extremely cold. He said, oh, well, you can expect to miscarry and just shut everything down and didn't offer any care, condolences. And Jeff mm -hmm. and I were just stunned. Like we were just sitting there like, in yeah. unbelief, like, is this really happening? And so, yeah, it was a it was very traumatic for us. Yeah. And do you think that there should be some level of training when it comes to women experiencing miscarriages, losing their babies? I think that. Yeah, absolutely. They're getting it could get to a place where people are just so used to things that they normalize things that aren't normal yeah. to the everyday person. Right. It may not be normal. It may be normal to them because they see it so often. But there absolutely should be some training and being just empathetic and, and, and kind because that news rocked our world at that moment. I mean, we had only been married at that time a year and some change. And so we went into the doctor's office with with such high hopes, not even thinking about miscarriage being a possibility. So we were devastated. And what happened after that? Well, after that, we went home. I, I wanted to go and get a second opinion. And I did that. Still found out I would miscarry. And we uh, lost the baby probably about three days later. And I just remember at that time really struggling with a lot of feelings and emotions and depression. Um, especially. Mm -hmm. 
of not feeling like I'm able to carry on my duty as a woman, as a wife, you know, and, and that's hurtful. You start to look at yourself if you're not careful and begin to compare yourself and your journey to so many other women. And you start looking inside, like wondering what's wrong with me. And yeah. so I had to do a lot of healing work, a lot of uh, therapy over the years working with, you know, going through the various throes of infertility because of those thoughts that will come in your head. Yeah. And after the first miscarriage, um, how long was it until you decided to give it another try? Uh, that was 2012. Uh, so 2017 was when we actually visited a fertility center to try to begin some testing to figure out, okay, it's been <laughs> some years and nothing is happening um, on our own. We, we changed our diet, you know, you know how I eat. Mm -hmm. So changed my diet, trying to do all the healthy things, taking all the vitamins and the detoxes, nothing's happening. So then we went to fertility doctors and began to get tested. And what they told us was that you're perfectly healthy. Mm. Jeff, my husband, they said, everything looks good. And so I told someone yesterday, you know, going through that, being told that everything looks good, but you're still not getting pregnant. I think I would have appreciated if they could have just pinpointed something was wrong because yeah. at least I could work towards it and yeah. attack it. But when you're diagnosed with what they call unexplained infertility, um, you're just like, OK, what's the next option? And the next option, they say, is IVF. And in 2017, we thought about IVF, but we, we just weren't ready at that yeah. time. You need to have peace. And I'm glad that I, I didn't uh, start an IVF round in 2017 because, you know, that's when life got crazy. My father mm -hmm. passed away in 2017. Mother moved. It was just so many things happening. And when you decide to do something like IVF, you want to make sure that you're in a good mental space. Yeah. Yeah. And you decided that you were going to wait it out. And let's talk about that process, because, yeah. you know, when I was talking to you about this journey, your biggest concern was I trust God and I don't ever want God to feel like I don't trust him. I'm believing in him and yeah. I know what he can do for me. Um, how did you stay faithful during that time? I had to reconcile first my faith with the fact that God gives us blessings in different ways, mm -hmm. right? Because I, I believe that it's ultimately God who opens and closes our womb, right? But also faith without works is dead. We got to do something, right? You know, he's just not going to, I'm not Mother Mary. I'm not, he's not going <laughs> to yeah. just put a baby in me. So uh, I needed to start doing something. And so then we revisited IVF in... 2020 or 2021, uh, the, the possibility of it. And that's when we decided to actually do a round of IVF. But I will say, uh, keeping the faith was hard. Yeah. Um, it wasn't easy. I mean, I had my strong moments and strong days where I'm like, you know, I believe God is going to do it. And I had moments where I was getting really, really hopeless and feeling like, well, maybe this isn't for me. Really? Yeah. Man, I remember us talking and you saying, you know, if this doesn't work, I think I'm going to just go ahead and lean towards adoption. Yeah, I think in that time it was like self-protection, like trying to make myself be OK with a no. Mm. If the answer was a no, to be OK with that. And I think so many women get to that place of uh, wrestling, like, am I going to be OK if if this baby doesn't come and I really want it to be okay if that wasn't going to be the end of my story. Yeah. Another thing that you've always felt like you had counted against you was the timing. Yeah. The timing. I mean, those years fly by. Like yeah. we started at 30 and now I'm 41, <laughs> you know, but ultimately with motherhood, what I realized with everyone is God's timing. And, yes. and so I never would have, this wasn't on my vision board 10 years ago, yeah. you know, to get pregnant at, in my forties, but this is what God has. And so now 
I've fully embraced it. And I'm just like, you know, life is going to look different, but I'm excited about it. Yeah. And you have been through so much. Yeah. Surgeries and all the things. Yeah. Not even just with you. You know, you've gone through so much with losing your dad. Yeah. Losing, you know, just at one point feeling like, hey, I'm losing this hope and this even happening and looking into like adoption and just everything under the sun. A lot of grief. A lot of grief. Your mom was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And you were just there for her, supporting her throughout that entire time. Um, What were some of the things that you implemented to just keep your faith and and just continue to trust God along the way? Uh... Man, well, I will say going through all of that and experiencing grief, grief is is something that is uh, when you experience those heavy things, it's constant. And for me, I needed to learn how to deal with grieving things in a healthy way. And of course, you know, my faith, you know, I'm in the church, I'm in my Bible. I had but also what's really, really been helpful is therapy. Yeah. Uh, that has been a game changer for me, uh, having a trauma therapist yeah. because those events are traumatic and yeah, trauma yeah. tends to live in our bodies. And so we need to learn how to identify, you know, uh, those triggers and different things. And so having a really good therapist and also walking through, uh, just having good community, you know, mm-hmm. having sisterhood, yes. having people that I can be naked with and just confess those things to that I'm struggling with that will constantly encourage and uplift, I think is super important. This is not, infertility is not a journey that you can really do on an island. You need some community yeah. with you. And, and I think the mistake that we make when we are going through things is to, get away from everybody and isolate and isolate. And I always tell people that the most dangerous thing you can do when you're depressed and when you're down is to isolate yourself because when the enemy has you alone, he can tell you anything. I'm telling you. Yeah. He can get all in your head and tell you all kinds of things. So, I mean, I won't say, you know, I I won't say that I've never isolated. I have those moments where I've went into isolation, but Isolation has never been like the best solution. It's like, okay, come get me. Yeah, yeah you'll call me and, I, and you're like, I'm, I need to come over. I just need to yeah. get out of here. Yeah. I need to clear my head. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just not in a good space right now. And and I want, I want our girl CEOs to know and understand that when you are going through things in your personal life, uh, don't get to a space where you allow shame to keep you away from everybody. Yeah. Right? Because sometimes we don't want to share that type of information. Yeah. And we've also been taught that certain things need to kind of stay private. In our household. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Keep these things in your your household. You know, that's how our moms and grandmoms were. Yeah. But that's not healthy. Like everyone needs someone to talk to. Absolutely. So you got to get around your friends. Yeah, you need to. I could not have done this journey without friendship, without community, and especially for those that are doing IUI or IVF, um, you know, there's a lot of hormones and things that you take. And so that will mess with you as well, like your moods and everything. So you want to make sure you're around healthy community. Yeah. And you just, you were 100% committed to the outcome because I remember you, you've gone through losing um, a baby. I think it's been two, two or three times. Yeah, two times. Yeah, two times. And you were just like, this is a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that last miscarriage almost took me out, you know. So I remember. that was uh, the one, our first round of IVF, our first uh, transfer. And we had just, uh, Christmas had just passed. I remember our parents, like someone bought me, a baby book, someone bought me like an ornament and only like intermediate family. And of course you and no knew that I was pregnant yeah. at the time. But then I, I think it was the day after Christmas or two days after Christmas, I was told that I would miscarry. And 
I had to go have a DNC December 29th, right before New Year. I remember it was a huge snowstorm. Girl, it was just a, a mess. Yeah. And the depression that kicked in after that was something that I could have never imagined. And I don't think a lot of women talk about this, the depression that can come with miscarriages and losses, mm. uh, almost like a post, almost like a postpartum, because wow. all of those hormones that you're having and experiencing through pregnancy. And so I was experiencing the pregnancy hormones and also IVF hormones. And then you have a DNC and then everything drops. Wow. And so you are going through so much mentally that you, you, people don't talk about that. People don't talk about the dark cloud that comes and how you have to push through that, you know? So that was a very difficult season where I really needed to be leaning on God and community and all the things. Yeah. And another thing people don't really realize is how cruel the internet can be. Yeah. And sometimes even with people that, you know, they are not intentionally saying things to hurt you, but there are things that you just don't say yeah. to women who don't have children because you don't know why they don't have children yet. Let's yeah. talk about some of those Let's things. Let's talk about the fact that <laughs> stop asking women and couples when they're going to have children. Mm -hmm. That is a very personal question, you know, so you never know what's going on with them allow them to be the ones that will announce and will share it because you don't know what people are dealing with behind the scenes. And then I've had people uh, look at me. I remember someone, I had gained a little, a little weight because when you do IVF, you gain a you know, a couple of pounds and people look like someone was in my DMs. Oh, are you pregnant? And I'm like, yo, I'm just bloated. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, why would you even ask that? Right. So uh, just, that understanding that every woman's journey is unique and it's sensitive and to respect that. And if you don't have a really personal connection and relationship, then those are questions that you don't need to be asking. Yeah. And people just don't know. Yeah. You know, they just don't know that some questions are not okay. Yeah. And I think people have good intentions sometimes. I won't yeah. say everyone's out to hurt you. I think some people are just so excited to see, you know, a, a, a good looking black couple. They're like, OK, this is what's <laughs> yeah, next, yeah. the baby. But you just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, for sure. And and one of the things that you've done is you continue to grow your businesses. Yeah. You continue to travel the world teaching the gospel. Yeah. And you have continued to do missionary work, even, you know, while going through the yeah. losses, going through the pregnancy. And I'm just like so worried about you. I'm like, I don't want you to leave on this plane. <laughs> Last month you were traveling. I'm like, um, I'm not signing yeah. off this permission slip yeah. because I want you home on bed rest starting now. <laughs> yeah, she did want me on bed rest very soon. But, you know, I did tell her back. I mean, now I've pulled back the traveling and all of that. Cause I realized just, I mean, I'm like, this is precious cargo. So I yeah. want to make sure she gets here. Yeah. You always, you've always been passionate <laughs> yeah. um, about what you do. And that's, you know, teaching the word of God and you are like, okay, I'm going to do one more mission trip. I know it's so, <laughs> it's so hard being home, <laughs> but because I, I'm so used to being on the go, but I'm also learning that to embrace this season, yeah. you know, there, there will be another season for me and the baby, which I have always imagined. I always used to say this when I would go on my trips to different countries that one day I'm gonna bring my baby back and she's going to be in a sling wrapped around me, yeah. just like, you know, the women on the continent. And yeah. so, um, I have to bring her to Ghana when I, <laughs> when she's born. We're always talking about um, women's mental health yeah. when going through things like this. I don't hear a lot of people talk about what men actually go through yeah. who suffer loss. Um, how has it been, you know, for your husband, yeah. for Jeff during this time? You know, Jeff has always tried to put on a strong face uh, with me to be uh, supportive, uh, with everything that I was dealing with. But what 
I appreciate with Jeff is that he has his own community of men that he will go to and that he will cry it out with. Yeah. And he has cried it out with, you know, his brothers and has vented and, you know, has had to process all of those things in his own way. And so what I needed to do was give him room to process that and not think that he's not grieving it just because he may not grieve it in front of me. Yeah. Right. Because he's trying to keep me okay. Mm -hmm. But then, I mean, I, and I've heard him before, like, you know, go in another room to grieve. Right. Just because it's hard for him too. you know, you know, Jeff loves kids. My husband is an educator. He's loves children and so this has been something that he's always wanted as well but he never made me feel less than a woman because I I could not produce at the time and there aren't many support groups for men yeah who have girlfriends or wives that have lost their babies and and I just feel like men need those groups as well they need that safe space they need that education no one talks about how it affects Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done their confidence. Yeah. We we always hear, you know, how it affects women. Um, we always have the support groups for women. But yeah. I think that we need support groups for men because watching him go through this with you, uh, it has been just a journey of strength. Hey girl CEOs, this episode is brought to you by Holistic, your number one beauty and wellness brand for women who prioritize self-care, want it all, and prefer it deliver. Shop now at www.shopholistic.com. And if this is your first purchase, use code SELFCARE to get 15% off. Yeah, I mean, and then there's male factor infertility, right? So in some relationships, the factor is not the woman, it's the male. and you know, that can do a number on their confidence. And so the fact that there isn't enough support groups, that's something that definitely needs to happen. Yeah. So now that you are here. Yes, <laughs> I'm here. She, um, she's moving now. So <laughs> 41 years old. Yeah. God is good. Yes. He is faithful. Yes, he is. We give him all the glory. All the glory. <laughs> Get me through this delivery, Lord. Yes, it's like, don't tell me what he can't do. Yes. All right. How are you feeling? I am feeling like I'm in a dream. Every, every morning that I wake up and I feel her kicking because she wakes me up in the morning. It literally feels like, is this really my life right now? Yeah. Because there came a point where I started to think, well, maybe I'll never get to feel a, what it, a life feels like on the inside of me. And so every day I wake up grateful. The first thing I do but when I open my eyes, I'm thanking God for this. And, you know, I am just, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, with joy. With joy. I can see the glow yeah, on your face when you come wobbling through my door. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, look at her. Like, it's to a lot of joy. You, to just watch you. 11 years is a long time. It is. It is a long time, but it's worth it. And I just want to share something that I think is really important for women like us who are career women, entrepreneur women, go-getter women, all, all the things. If I had known what I knew now, at, if I had known that I would go through this journey of infertility in my 40s, if I knew that back at 29, 28, mm. thir- even 30 years old. What would you have done differently? I would have frozen my eggs. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about that because... We aren't girl CEOs. I'm looking straight at you. How many times have you been educated on the importance of freezing your eggs 
in your 30s while you're chasing those dreams, while you're on yeah. that mission to become the first millionaire in your family, who's having that conversation with you? And Jen, why do you feel like that conversation is important? It's important because we're born with all the eggs that we're ever going to have. We're not producing more eggs. And mm -hmm. so as we age, the quality of our eggs changes. And so when I am 28, 29, and that quality of my eggs are at its best, you know, I, that would be a, a great time to really start looking into resources um, to be able to freeze eggs. Look into, if, if you're working, um, look into your insurance. Some, some states and some insurance companies will cover those things. And uh, if it's something that is not covered, begin to just plan for it and save for it. Uh, I know I have friends that even actually went to other countries mm. and uh, got their eggs frozen because it was a better cost uh, for them. And so I would say begin to look into the opportunity uh, of doing that if you know you want to have children in the future. But right now you're just not ready because maybe you don't have the right partner. Maybe you are just chasing your dreams and you want to get financially at a place first then to really consider and think about your family planning, right? Yeah. Uh, because going through something like egg retrieval and IVF at 39 years old, I mean, I didn't have a, a lot to work with, you yeah. know, out of all of my eggs that we were able to get that were viable, we only got seven. And then that seven only created four embryos. And then out of those four embryos, only two made it to the blastocyst stage, which is the stage of when the embryo begins to hatch. Mm. And so out of that, those two embryos, one I miscarried. So now I'm left with one embryo and here she is. Yeah. This was our final embryo. Can we just say God is real? <laughs> this was it. Now you get the glory. Yeah. <laughs> this was it. Because I was like, God, if, it, if this ain't it, then this ain't it. Because this is the lone embryo, the last one. So, you know, she is a miracle. Yes. Yeah. Survivor. Yes. She survived, man. <laughs> so women in their 30s definitely need to be considering freezing their eggs. Absolutely. And uh, if you need more information, there's information out there. I loved uh, the documentary made by black women called Eggs Over Easy. It's a film um, that was on TV One. Uh, I think that came out last year. And so look up that documentary, start educating yourself on this process uh, because it gets, it gets harder. I mean, and that's just the reality, you know? Yeah. And, and so many women, you know, are secretly, silently, you know, suffering and just waiting on God to show up in their lives. And then, you know, they have had things told to them about um, just IVF. Yeah. That has discouraged them yeah. from moving forward with it. And initially you were like, hey, I'm just trusting God. And then you decided like, hey, you know what? We are going to take this step forward. Yeah. What made you say we need to go in a different direction and pivot? Yeah. And what would you say to women who are on the fence about IVF? You know, I understand. I would say first, I understand why you're on the fence with IVF. It's a lot. It is a, uh, a journey that isn't an easy decision sometimes to make. There are a lot of medicines. There's a lot of processes. Even the prep process to be ready to transfer can be a lot uh, because there's a lot of testing. And sometimes you end up having to get different things removed uh, through, uh, I know I had two hysteroscopies wow. where they cleared my fallopian tubes from maybe scar tissue and cysts and things like that. Was it a painful process? No, it wasn't painful at all. Um, but it is a in and out surgical process, okay. right? So, uh, so, and this is, this is good to know. Yeah. Because just hearing these things being on the outside and never going through them, 
you may all, think it's painful. You may think it's painful. Yeah. So you may say, mm, you know, yeah. I don't want to do that. And I was really reluctant because I'm one of those people that, first of all, I hate shots, period. Like mm-hmm. even now getting my blood drawn, I don't even look. I just hand out my arm. I'd be like, hurry up, do it, do it. So I, I hate any kind of shot. And I could not imagine, you know, shooting myself up with something every day, yeah. you know. And so what I did was, you know, we, we, we prayed through the process. I remember every morning when I would take my shots, Jeff and I would put on some worship music, some gospel music. And he would prep the shots and he would give them to me and then we would pray. And so we made it kind of our own little ritual of how we were going to uh, do it and push through it. But it was it was difficult. And I will tell that woman that's thinking about it, that's on the fence, you know, make sure that you have peace uh, with it. But also it's not I mean, this process has been improved so much over the years. There have been so many successes. There's really nothing to fear. I love that. I love that because, you know, we only, we learn everything now from the internet, right? It's yeah. Like, what is the internet saying about um, yeah. IVF? You know, people are saying, oh, you, it does this. It makes you sick. It makes you nauseous. It, it makes you gain weight. It, it's just all the stuff, but that's not the case for everyone. No, it's not. And every woman is different. So we have to experience things and walk through our own journey. 100%. Yeah. And and another thing that I loved about your story is even when you got to a place where you were like, okay, my hope is a little low. Yeah. You were still like, we're going to adopt. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, because I knew that God had called us to parent. I just didn't know how. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, God, however you want us to parent, however you want us, to, Jeff, to father and me to mother, I want to be open to that. And we're still open to adoption. Uh, so even though we're going to have our own baby, you know, who knows what will happen in the future? Uh, because that has been something that was always kind of a, a conversation, right? Yeah. Um, it wasn't, adoption wasn't necessarily just an out, but it was a, a desire because of the need of, for it in the world. So we're, we're still open to it. Yeah. And many people may not know this, but you've been a mom for quite a long time because you are the woman that is out here doing these mission <laughs> trips, saving children, just pouring I, into I kids. say all that. I'm saving kids. You, <laughs> you, got are, me all you are. You are. You, you know, let me just tell y'all about my best friend. She always like, she's like, let's downplay this a little bit. But this woman is, this woman is out here in this, in these Ethiopia streets, right? <laughs> Doing these mission trips, staying in places that don't have showers, don't have water. I mean, everything They would have showers and water. <laughs> <laughs> Not water she could drink. <laughs> but she will always be the person who was sacrificing. I will see you and I'm like, sis, like, I'm a, how much you need? Like, I'm sending it. I'm, I'm sending it over. Um, I'm not going with y'all, but I'm going to send, I'm going to send whatever you need I over there. I can't wait to do that work again <laughs> with, my, with my daughter with my, on my side. Yeah. And you were just, you were just loving those babies. Yeah. I, I did a lot of work in different orphanages and things like that. Um, and what, the season of infertility taught me was to make the most of what I had right in front of me um, and to just do what I, what I was called to do. Right. Yeah. You know, so even though there was this desire it was still like, OK, I'm called like I'm still going to do the things that I enjoy, that I love, that brings me joy and being around those children being around children, period, brings me a lot of joy. Did being around those children give you hope? It did. It brought me hope all the time. And I even, I think I posted not too long ago when I was in India, it was a group of children that surrounded me that, and they, the children prayed for me to have a baby. Wow. And I have, I still have that picture, you know, so. Uh, did you post that photo? Yeah, oh. I posted it. And so the woman who, uh, ran that orphanage she saw it and was just she's really happy to see that I'm pregnant today yes. 
and the children in Ghana and the church in Ghana, they have prayed for us, uh, for Jeff and I. And so I said, wow, I got to take this baby and <laughs> bring her to those places. Yes. And another thing I watch you do a lot of just preparing in the midst of it all in the midst of the miscarriages is like you were always like, I have to stay fit and yeah. I have to change my diet. Um, yeah. How much of a difference do you think your diet has made in the outcome? Oh, a huge difference, uh, because especially in egg quality, um, if we really want to make sure our eggs are healthy, then there's a certain health. You need to eat healthy because yeah. what you put in your body is going to impact the quality of your eggs. And so I want it to be at my healthiest. I want it to be at a weight that I was comfortable with because I already knew with IVF, there's going to come extra bloating, extra water weight, you know, and, you know, pregnancy. Here yeah. I am, you know, but getting bigger every day. So I wanted to start. <laughs> I wanted to and start. And it did not need to get any bigger. <laughs> it, it really did. <laughs> but I wanted to start at a place that I was comfortable with so I could feel good. And I will say I've been feeling so good this whole pregnancy. I yeah. said she's treated me so good. I haven't been sick or anything. Yeah, you have not had like the pregnancy sickness. No. And I feel like the weight is going to all the right places. <laughs> We've always called you Big Booty Judy. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I, I don't know how much bigger this can get, but. <laughs> yeah, so now that you're here, what type of work are you doing to reach back to other women who are in this space? I'm sharing the journey. That's that's the main thing. I mean, and since I've been sharing the journey, doors have been opening uh, to be able to share the journey on a more intimate level, like here with you. And uh, I'm committed to that. I'm committed to really encouraging women. And I know that I know even more so now that this story and the way that it's happened, every miscarriage, every loss, every shot, every heartbreak has been for the good of others and for the glory of God. Don't you get emotional. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But every part, every part of this journey has been these pregnancy emotions, Lord. Every part of it. Like, I see it. <laughs> Come on, friend. I see Don't it. It's, it's for the good of others so that they could have hope and so that they could see the glory of God and know that no matter what, like to just stay hopeful because I did not expect this at 41 years old. And this was my last embryo. We were done after this. I told Jeff, I can't go through another round. I can't go through any more medicine. This was it. Yes. And let me just say this. Don't, don't make me cry. Okay. I'm That's sorry. Right. <laughs> let me just say you were dedicated yeah through this entire time and you were a fighter and like just seeing you continue to persevere I was like this woman is a believer yeah <laughs> to the point where you had bought clothes you had yeah let's talk about Kim even bought me clothes yeah. like when I had my first miscarriage um years ago I had clothes from other people who had, and I had like puzzles, baby stuff in what is now going to be her baby room. And I had bought things and I, I couldn't always look at it, but I kept it in a room because I felt like I knew one day that she was going to have it. You know, we hear everybody talking about manifestation. And online, you see people say, manifest your man, you know, manifest your career. <laughs> but I feel like you have to do the same thing for your future baby and your future everything. And whatever that consists of, you know, people you say, if you want your man to come leave an empty space, <laughs> leave an empty drawer for your man. Right. And I'm just like, leave that empty room for your baby. If you know and you believe yeah. that your baby is coming. Yeah, you know, I believed, and let me just say this, it didn't mean that my belief wasn't shaken, yeah. you know, during certain days, but ultimately it was, it was God, his timing and his providence that said, okay, now is the time and now is the perfect time. Was there a certain scripture that you were reading? Ah, uh, so much. <laughs> um, I, I would say, what can I think of off the top of my head? 
There's one and um, I have pregnancy brain, so I'm not going to remember the actual scripture, but I will say uh, one that I have written um, in my office was uh, uh, the story of the woman who had the issue of blood and she ran to find Jesus in a crowd and she touched the hem of his garment and he felt power go out of him. And he said, daughter, uh, be healed of your affliction. Your faith has made you whole. And so I looked at that as for me, I looked at myself as the woman with the issue of infertility, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to cling to Christ and know that my faith is not, on, not only going to, you know, open up the door for me to be pregnant, but to, going to make me whole, whole in mind, whole in body, mind, spirit, everything. Yeah. How, how important is it for women who have gone through this or, you know, they're in a space where they have not been able to conceive to share that story and be more vocal? Do you think it's important? I think it's important because so many women are dealing with it. Remember, I said one in six. So if you go inside a grocery store, you know, you're already seeing maybe 20 women in there who have experienced some type of infertility. And the more that we share, the more people don't stigmatize it. Mm. And we begin to lean on each other. We begin to help each other. We begin to share resources and doctors and, and, and things that we're doing because more and more people are sharing. Yeah, It's nothing to be ashamed about. When you were going through this process 10 years ago, you know, sitting here right mm. now with a baby girl in, in, the, in the tummy, what would you have said to your younger self then? I would have said she's coming or he's coming. It's a she, but <laughs> I already knew that Ronnie called it, but <laughs> I would have said she's coming and she'll come at the perfect time. Just rest and continue to walk out your faith and your purpose. Be okay. Just trust God It's coming. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I feel like we have to do that in every season of our lives every season for everything <laughs> isn't that crazy yeah. i feel like it's all about faith yeah and what happens in your life i feel like it's always going to be dictated by the faith that you have in god yeah yeah i mean <sighs> you know faith is some, something that it, it's the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen and it's a it's a difficult thing to do at times. But when you have that trust and faith in God and that hope, like that's what sustains you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Anything you would say to women who are currently in the process or women who are hurt, disappointed, you know, questioning God, like, where are you right now? Yeah, Why do you allow that. this to happen? Um, where are you? What would you say to them? First, I would say that God can handle your questions. He can handle your grief. He can handle your pain. So bring that to him in your time with him. Um, God can handle that, but he's also there with open arms to heal and help. I will also say that God is not a God where he's punishing you. Infertility is not a punishment for things that you've done in your past or things that you did not do. So you are not being punished. I would say to really look and see what can God be teaching me in and through my infertility? What can I be learning about myself and how can I continue to make impact for the good of others and for his glory? And I believe that that's how I've tried to live my life. Like even through this, God, how am I going to still make my life be one that is honorable, one that's going to give you glory, even through this pain. And so I, I would say those things first. And I would also say, hey, to keep trying, keep praying, you know, and find your joy. You know, don't get so caught up in this journey of inf infertility that you don't experience the joy that is in your life right now. I love that. And, and that's one thing that I've done. Like, yeah. I've still experienced joy. I didn't get so caught up in the journey that I didn't travel, that yeah. I didn't have fun, that I didn't dance, that I didn't yeah. love, you know? 
and you were like, hey, you know, let's hang out this weekend. Like, yeah, I need to relax. And yes. and then I'm, I'm going to give this sh- a shot a little later. Yeah. And I, I remember you just saying, hey, I, I tried it. This didn't work this time. I'm going to take a break for a second. Take breaks <laughs> as you need it. Yeah. And then we'll do this again in a few months. Yeah. I need to le- allow my body to heal. Yeah. Before I give this another shot. Yep. Allowing your body to heal, taking breaks, having fun, go to on vacation, all that stuff. Drink some wine. I can't drink now. So drink some for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, sis. Um, Thank you. I'm so happy. I'm happy too. Y'all know I'm the god mom, by the way. <laughs> and you know she you know she also I'm not even gonna give you that credit. I named it baby. <laughs> Jeff, if you're watching this. <laughs> she did give me the name, but you guys will find out the name when she's born. Yes, we can't tell right now. No, but no. I love you and I'm so happy for y'all. I love you too. Yes. Ah, I can't reach. All right, Girl CEOs, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Girl CEO Show. Um, if you are at this phase, I want to encourage you all to really look into resources and, and just take some of the things that Jennifer suggested today. And I love you guys. I'm wishing you all the best, and I'll see you on the inside. Bye. It's the Girl CEO Show. Run it up. Always on the grind. You already know what's up. Everything from dating and life business covering it all like a boss come and get this girl ceo show yeah save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.